So um, I'm really grateful that Laurie read the passage because actually it's long, isn't it? <laughs> and um, when I started to prepare this, I was like, oh my goodness, there is so much I could say because there's, what, 25, 26 verses. And actually it's the, it's the only long, continuous prayer of Jesus recorded in any of the Gospels. And there is so much in it, so much deep meaning, so many different ideas. And there's almost like there's three sermons, really, looking at what Jesus prays for himself, then looking at what he prays for his disciples, and then looking at what he prays for the world. But actually what I really want to do um, is to look at what we can learn from, from how Jesus prays. And actually, even this morning, um, the Lord has laid a particular emphasis on my heart, which I kind of wasn't expecting, but I feel quite convicted. So we'll see where we go. <laughs> Um, I, let's look at, at verse 1. I, I kind of love just the very opening statement. Chapter 17 of John, verse 1. It says, Jesus looked towards heaven and prayed. And even that just struck me because we're so used to bowing our heads and closing our eyes. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But there, I, I really felt that there was something about his, his very posture that we can learn from, you know. We, we kind of adopt the shampoo position when we pray. That's what it used to be called. And I think when we do that, it's entirely possible for us to sort of close off and even be a bit gloomy. But there's something about looking up, looking up, which sort of positions our hearts, I think. And it, it, it enables us to fix our hearts, our minds, and to, to fix our gaze on the one who is the source of victory. So even that, even verse 1, I thought, yeah, there's something quite important about where we're looking when we pray. Looking, looking up, whether that's physically or whether that's just in our hearts, but it's important to look up. And actually... If you look at the very, very end of chapter 16, this comes immediately on the back of Jesus saying these words, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the position that this prayer comes out of. It's not a gloomy prayer. It's not kind of full of, oh, this is, this is hard and that's difficult. But it's actually Jesus saying, take heart, I have overcome the world. And from that place, I'm going to look up and this is what I'm going to pray. And actually, Jesus makes no mention of the trials that he knows he's about to face, which is extraordinary. But instead, there's this beautiful sense of the father-son relationship. The whole of that prayer, as Jesus prays for himself, is all about father and son, father and son. And um, when I was preparing this, I, I came across this really lovely quote from Charles Spurgeon. And he was talking about that particular passage. And he said, of Jesus, he sets us an example in all times of tribulation, let us fall back on our sonship and our adoption and the fatherhood of our great God. To our father, let us go. For to whom else should a child so naturally fly? Isn't that beautiful? And we sort of take it for granted because we know Jesus is God's son. But that's true for us too. 
And that's the position we pray for. We look up towards our Father. And that's the thing about effective prayer. It comes from knowing we're God's children. Funnily enough, I was only talking about this at work a couple of days ago. Same theme, but I think it's so important. When we pray, we pray from that position of knowing that we have a loving, heavenly Father, our Dad, in whose presence we live every day. We're children of the new covenant, aren't we? Seated with Jesus. The Bible says we are seated with Jesus. We've been raised with him. We are seated in the heavenly realms. And when we know our identity, when we have in mind our identity, when we're praying, our prayer lives are transformed. And so, yeah, my prayer is for a deeper encounter of the Father's heart. To know how much I'm loved. Because the more we know we're loved, the more differently we'll pray and the more effectively we'll pray because we'll be praying from that place of deep relationship. And I think subconsciously, we, we all know in our heads, and I've said this so many times, we all know that we're God's children. We all know in our heads that we've been adopted. But in our hearts sometimes we live like orphans. We somehow find it difficult to believe with our hearts what our heads know to be true. And I think when we, when we live as orphans, we don't fully grasp the depth of the Father's love for us. I used to think that intercession was the most depressing kind of prayer <laughs> because I always felt it was, it was praying for virtually impossible situations, trying to persuade God, trying to twist his arm. As we've seen the news this week of that, that awful conflict in the Middle East again, it's so easy to kind of go, oh, what can I do? Oh, God, please do something. But that kind of prayer has no real expectation because we're praying with an orphan spirit. And it, it leads us to striving and pleading and pleading, whereas that's not how it how it is. The reality is actually very, very different. We carry in ourselves, in our hearts, and through our voices, through the words that we speak, this extraordinary authority. And when we pray, that changes things because of that authority. Because we're God's children, we are anointed. We are given authority, and therefore we carry within us an ability to impact our communities and to see things change, but we forget it. We carry within us an ability to impact the world, not just our own lives, not just our families and friends, but actually the whole of Cheshire Boys, the whole of the UK. And when we pray for worldwide, global situations, our prayers carry weight and authority. It's the enemy that says, what difference are you going to make? God loves it when we pray. I'm not, I'm not saying it will be easy. It won't. Because <laughs> we're opposed and that's a given. And it will require a particular, a particular kind of effort. I don't even like that word. Not the striving kind, but 
I was I was trying to work out how to articulate this, but it's the kind that is willing to pay the cost of laying down our flesh life. And we need to do that in order to gain heaven's perspective. It's amazing when you're preparing a sermon, what pops up on your social media. <laughs> and on my Instagram feed this week, there was this lovely quote from Henri Nouon, the Dutch theologian. And he said this, and this is what I, I think this articulates what I'm trying to say. The real work of prayer is to become silent and listen to the voice that says good things about me. To gently push aside and silence the many voices that question my goodness and to trust that I will hear the voice of blessing. That demands real effort. I was so blown away by that because it kind of says what, what I've been trying to say, that actually we have to pray from the perspective of knowing we're God's children. That's kind of where we started looking up at our Father. We are adopted. And when we know who we are in Christ and we hear him say to us, well done, that's what Laurie was saying at the beginning. Well done. You're doing well. That's where we pray from. And that changes everything. So in our times of prayer and worship, we, we need to take that time to lay aside our flesh, if you like, in order to gain heaven's perspective. And that really can take time. We are absolutely, this is what Henri Nouwen was writing about. We are surrounded by these competing voices, including our own anxieties and fears. I know that, I hold my hand up to that. My prayer is so often dominated by my stuff, my own inner voice that's actually seeking to tear me down, whereas God's wanting to build us up. It really is so upside down. It's too easy to rush through our days in busyness and activity, only giving God the dregs of the time, the 10 minutes before we go into the day, or when we're really tired and we just want to fall asleep. And we're not going to come into that place of intimacy with the Lord when we're rushing. And that's why it's costly to our flesh. And actually, while I've been preparing it over the week to, to speak today, I've been extraordinarily challenged about my own prayer life. I, I know it's true that I'm God's daughter. I do know that. And I know that I carry this extraordinary authority like we all do. But how will I ever connect with heaven's agenda and know how to pray if I'm caught up in my own stuff? Well, the answer is I won't. We have, to, we have to kind of let go of ourselves. We have to let go of our own agenda and actually allow the Lord to embrace us in those times, to experience, to really experience his Father's heart. Because then we'll hear him, and when we hear him, and this is what's key, we will know how to pray. In this passage in John, 
Jesus was listening to his father. He was communing with his father. It wasn't just him praying. He was listening. And the same is true for us. When we ask God how to pray and he shows us, do you think he's going to want to answer those prayers? It's so, so different. I'm sure you'll know the passage from James chapter 5. Verse 17 says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And I really like that, that little quote there, because it uses the word earnestly. And I used to think that earnestly meant that kind of begging and straining and striving. But I don't think that's what Elijah did. I don't think he said, oh, God, please don't let it rain. He only prayed that because he'd heard God say, this is how you are to pray. And because of our identity as God's children, it means we are to pray in line with the will of God. And that means when we pray, we can command because we are praying from that place of having been raised with Christ. We're praying from above and not below. It's, it's easy and it's tempting to look at Elijah and look at the other biblical heroes and look at Jesus. And certainly with some of the Old Testament Bible heroes, we sort of put them on a pedestal. David and Elijah and Moses. But do you know what? We have the Holy Spirit available to us constantly. It is where we are. We're children of the new covenant. And that means that we can do even greater things, which is extraordinary. So, so my Heavenly Father, my Dad, in whose presence I live every day, he speaks to me of his heart. He speaks to you of his heart, of the things he wants released on the earth. And so our call, like Jesus, is to pray as God's children his royal children, carrying his authority to release his word into our lives, into our communities, wherever he calls. So we don't persuade God when we pray. We hear him and we speak out what we hear. What, what God is wanting to birth here at St. Leonard's, in our families, in our community, in our nation, in the world. The power to change the world around us doesn't come from our activity. It comes from our prayer. And I really believe that the Lord is, well, the Lord is really challenging me to kind of pray much more for the lost. No one else is going to if we don't. I used to think that I, I'm not an evangelist. It's, I'm not an evangelist. It's not my primary gifting. But I am called to give a reason for the hope that is within me. And we all are. And actually we're called to, to stand in the gap. And that's why there are so many challenges to stop us praying. Whether that's our unbelief, our discomfort, our fatigue, our anxiety. I can hold my hand up to all of those things. There are endless temptations to draw us away from praying. The devil will stop at nothing to stop us praying. Because he hates it when we pray. Because he knows how powerful it is. 
And if we look again at how Jesus prayed for his disciples, in verse 11 it says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. He knows the opposition. In verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And then in verse 18, he says of his disciples, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. God wants to bring salvation to the earth through you and me. In verse 20, he says, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. And that's the focus that needs to be the focus, praying not just for ourselves, but for the lost around us. God wants people to stand in the gap, to hold his hand and to take the lost with our other, with our other hand. With a conduit. And as Jesus prayed for the world, so we are to pray for the lost. It's not optional. We're called. It's the calling of every single believer. And we are called to reach our local community here. We're called to love the one in front of us. Even if the one in front of us is a total pain. And that's the challenge, isn't it? In our community, we are facing opposition. But we're still called to, to love those who oppose us because they're lost. They don't know Jesus. And they need Jesus. Just as you and I need Jesus. And it is a huge challenge, but what I really believe is that the Holy Spirit wants to give us a real passion for the lost. I couldn't believe this this morning. I, I use the Lectio 365 um, daily devotional. And even this morning, this, this came up. I'm just going to read it to you. This was the prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, revive us again. Come to us once more as you came to that first prayer room in Jerusalem that we might be propelled out of our meetings and onto the streets with new courage to preach the gospel that thousands might encounter the resurrected Saviour, Jesus Christ. I read that this morning and I thought, yeah, Lord, you really are challenging me on this. And you know what? Nothing stops us praying more than being cold-hearted or being complacent. The prayer that Jesus prays in this passage is all heaven-focused. And when we become more aware of ourselves, our problems, our struggles, our kids' problems, our parents' problems, whatever it is, we can get so consumed by our stuff that we completely stop praying for people outside of our immediate circle. And I've been there, and that's not right. Of, of course there's nothing wrong with praying for ourselves. Of course we, we are to pray for ourselves. Of course God wants us to bring everything to him. He's interested in every detail of our lives. It only becomes a problem if that's where our prayer life stops. And as I've already said, prayer isn't easy. It's quite tough. And all of this stuff gets in the way. But I want to encourage you all this morning to say that we all feel like that. We all find it tough. Sometimes it's easy to go, oh, I'm so bad at praying and everybody else is so good at it. 
But that's just rubbish. We all feel like that because the devil hates it when we pray. And we naturally only tend to like doing things we feel we're good at. Is that true? And if we feel like we're bad at praying, it discourages us from doing it. But it's all just based in lies of the enemy. So ignore the fact you don't feel you're very good at it. And pray anyway. <laughs> because we are the ones whom God has called to change Cheshire boys. No one else is going to do it. I heard a friend say, and he said this before, but, and I just love it. He said, remember, blessed are those who expect nothing, for they will never be disappointed. <laughs> if we want to see victory in our lives and in our community, the only way we're going to see it is if we pray. It's a given. So we need to look upwards, fix our eyes on our Heavenly Father. Remember that we're in a raging battle and take a stand. Exercise your authority. Ask the Lord, ask the Lord, how do I pray? Because he'll show you and then praise what he shows you. Because if you do that, he's going to answer. He loves to answer our prayers. He loves to answer our prayers. And that's how we activate our faith. And that's how the Lord uses us to bring transformation. Because when we, when we speak out, when we release the words of faith that God gives us, do you know what? Creation, the created order, sickness, that stuff has to obey us. It has to. Because of our authority in Christ. It's not pipe dream stuff. This is reality. This is spiritual realm reality. Our voices really, really matter for bringing about God's purposes. Not only in our own lives, but in the world around us. And so we face a daily choice. Am I going to lay down my flesh? Am I going to push into this? Am I going to cooperate with God? It's, it's a million miles from the, Lord, please do something kind of prayer. None of us should be praying like that anymore. Not when we know the truth. And so my prayer for all of us is that, that God does awaken a deep compassion in us for our neighbours, whoever they are. And that he awakens that, that warrior heart that he would cause us to rise up as the prayer warriors we're designed to be and to pray like Jesus did. Amen.